Welcome to The Core. I'm Dale Allen. You can find me on the web at www.thecore.space. In this podcast episode, we're going to explore the word goddess. I know that when this term first came across my path, I didn't like it. It felt unnecessary and uncomfortable. Which is why, since I am in a female body, I decided to go headlong into the term. And it ended up shaping the next decade of my life in terms of career. I created a presentation which I took to universities, expos, conferences, and even to the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women regarding the goddess archetype. I found my journey to the term goddess to be personally transformative and healing, which is why I wanted to share and continue to share this information with others. So today's podcast episode is an introduction to the term. It's great to listen to if you find the term uncomfortable, if it's new to you, or to give you an opportunity to reflect on your own goddessy. We'll begin with some of the many names for the goddess. The mother of all things. Queen of heaven. The mother of songs. She who dwells within. Wise woman. Lady of the Universe, Sovereign of the Heavens, Lioness of the Great Assembly, Her Holiness, Lady of the High Place, The Eye of Wisdom The Serpent Lady Lady of the Sycamore Governess of the Elements Parent of Time The Mother of stars. These are all names that are given to the goddess. In discussing the goddess, I come through the lens of the archetypes because archetypes belong to all of us. They are like dreams and imagination. No matter which of the world's faiths you may practice, or perhaps you're an atheist or you consider yourself more of a spiritual person rather than religious person, The archetypes affect our culture, and the archetype of the goddess is getting more energized in our cultures. The goddess is one of many archetypes. Carl Jung talked about the collective unconscious, this unconscious zone we all share, which is where the archetypes dwell. They cross genders and culture. Poet David White says, An archetypal image is much bigger than we are. It has informed human life since the beginning of time, 
and transcends individual experience. An archetype is an inward image in the human psyche that exerts a powerful influence on the nature of an individual personality and, in turn, on the larger culture. Some of the archetypes are more enlivened in us and in culture. The goddess archetype is gaining energy and may be bringing us balance and healing. As I said, when I first encountered the term goddess, I didn't like it. Using it felt strange, and I wondered why I should bother. The term God for me didn't feel solely masculine. It wasn't that I imagined a God like Michelangelo's white, white white-bearded patriarch reaching out to Adam. The term God for me described a loving energy behind all things. The Creator, imbued in all of us and in all earthly things, universal, infinite an ever-present matrix or frequency of the highest order, the ultimate state of perfection and completion, and a frequency that is always becoming and evolving at the same time. And we are becoming and complete at the same time. Now, this definition of God felt pretty gender-free from my perspective, And when the term goddess started crossing my path, one of the reasons I didn't like it is because it brought personification and gender into the matter. What I didn't expect was the inner and outer shift that occurred for me when I embraced the term, the imagery, and the energy of goddess. My goddess journey, or my goddessy as I started calling it, began at a crossroads in my life. It was one of those times in life where my beliefs were challenged, my trust in life. It was a time of personal crisis. It was a fall. When these times come in life, they serve to hone us. They help us to see what we're made of and what beliefs we're operating from. And we all hit these crossroad moments. And they take different forms. The details are different for all of us. But they do happen to all of us. It's where what we so desire just doesn't come through, where the place we think we're heading is not where we, in fact, arrive. We may face a health crisis personally or with a loved one. We may face a loss so painful that it shakes us to the core. Perhaps a betrayal shocks us. Our paths are unique, and we differ quite a bit in the magnitude and the details of our life events. But the significance of our inner shifts, of our awakenings, puts us on common and compassionate ground. I was at such a crossroads in my life, and I remember saying, I just don't know where to hang my hat. I just didn't know what beliefs or or comfort to fall back on. And so I decided to pull my energy in very close around me and to simply stay with it, to stay with that painful emptiness, to stay with that void, to stay with the not knowing. And it is not easy to do. But I I hung in there and I stayed there. And I, I remember looking at some of my writing from that time and a new kind of voice or imagery started to spontaneously develop. Here's an example of a poem from that time. It's called Mother Soil. The Dark Night of the Soul The great black void is where through my tears 
I watch my bare hands, raw and pained, till and turn rich mother soil, sacred emptiness, the very place of the inception of the seed of infinite possibility. I began to perceive an aspect of myself calling from within. It was feminine, soft and vulnerable, and at the same time very strong. And it was at this time that the term goddess started crossing my path, relentlessly it seemed. It seemed like it was everywhere in my world, and I noticed that I didn't like it. It was my very resistance to the term that caused me to turn and go toward it. I wanted to find out why I so disliked the word goddess. I began to study the sacred feminine, the work of anthropologists, psychologists, archaeologists, feminist scholars, poets, and historians. I dove deep. What I discovered was that the more I persisted in my studies of the sacred feminine, the more it was revealed to me just how deeply embedded the masculine hierarchy had been within my psyche. I had not realized this before. It was an interesting thing at the time because I simply began experimenting with feminine pronouns for the creator, and I noticed how uncomfortable and awkward they felt. And that is how I came to see how deeply embedded the masculine pronouns had been. And I decided that I wanted to plant some seeds to grow the energy of the female aspect of the divine for the sake of balance within my own psyche. It wasn't for a religious experience. It was that, knowing the power of archetypes, I wanted to have a sense of balance. The image of the creator of all things, I felt, should be just as comfortable in feminine pronouns as it is in masculine pronouns. And I began to consider the impact that this would have on cultures around the world. The archetype of the goddess has been a suppressed archetype. While it is a part of us, it has not surfaced consciously in most of us, nor in most of our world cultures. Other archetypes like the hero, and certainly the masculine archetype of the divine, are well energized and quite conscious. My studying brought vitality to the goddess archetype in me, and made her more real and alive. The studying I was doing created a thirst and a hunger for more information about the feminine face of the divine. I liked the way this feminine face put me in touch with an inner strength. It gave honor to body wisdom, feelings, and vulnerability. This goddess archetype was not an abstract sky god. It was embodied in me and the earth. I liked the way it gave validity to my own intuitive intelligence, as it works in balance with my logical, linear intelligence. I witnessed my personal shift in perception, and I expanded my studies to explore the cultural correlations of goddess veneration. I studied the historical goddess of the Paleolithic and Neolithic eras. I looked at the start of male monotheism and the way the goddess was subjugated. I looked at contemporary matriarchal cultures around the globe, cultures that operate not on hierarchical rule, but on cooperation and interdependence. I discovered that in matriarchal cultures, women are not in power over men. There is a balance of the genders. These are not societies based on hierarchy, 
they operate more cooperatively. Anthropologist Peggy Reeves Sanday studied 150 cultures on the globe. What she found was a strong contrast between societies that celebrated female power and those organized in terms of male dominance. She found a strong correlation between goddesses and female creators and participation of women in sacral roles, a positive view of nature, connection to the land, and female power in society. Psychologist and philosopher and student of Carl Jung, Eric Newman, explained, The effect of this great goddess archetype may be followed through the whole of history, for we can demonstrate its workings in the rites, myths, and symbols of early man, and also in the dreams, fantasies, and creative works of the man of our day. Anthropologist and ethnologist Raphael Patai suggested that not only can we see the effects of the great goddess archetype, but there is a need for this archetype as well. Comparative religion teaches us that there is in man, beyond the psychological need for a father symbol, an equally great or possibly even greater need, that of the divine woman who appears in many different forms throughout the world yet remains basically the same everywhere. Since an archetype is an inward image that exerts a powerful influence on the nature of an individual personality and in turn on the larger culture, it makes sense to have positive and powerful images for both the masculine and the feminine. As we all carry both of these energies, We all carry the masculine and the feminine energies, and both should be equally celebrated for our own inner balance and also balance in our cultures, our societies. In all of my years presenting this material and all of the workshops that I've done with women, I have witnessed how healing it is to energize and enliven this archetype. We know that our cultures around the world in many ways subjugate women and the feminine, and so to work to begin to heal that and work on an archetypal level can be a very powerful thing. In future podcasts, we'll look more at this archetype of the goddess and some of the individual goddesses of history. The goddess archetype can be so healing with regard to body image issues, can be so empowering with regard to women in leadership can be so validating and supportive of the work of nurturing that women and men do and making important nurturing and empathy. The goddess archetype brings a different worldview about the cycles of birth, growth, death, renewal, as opposed to a linear reality, beginning, middle, end. It reflects the earth that we live on, which is constantly recycling energy, birth, growth, death, renewal, energy exchanging. It gives validity to the different stages of life of a woman, maiden, mother, and crone or wise woman, the empowering of the wise female in her elder years. I will close this podcast with a piece that I wrote for my performance, The performance was titled, In Our Right Minds, Guiding Women to Their Strength as Leaders, Leading Men to Strength Without Armor. So this is a prayer from that performance piece. It's called, Our Mother. Our Mother, who art within us, each breath brings us to you. 
Thy wisdom come, thy will be done, as we honor your presence within us. Each day you give us all that we need. Your abundance calls us to give and receive all that is loving and pleasurable. You are the courage that moves us to be true to ourselves, and we act with grace and power. We relax into your cycles of birth, growth, death, renewal. Out of the womb, the darkness, the void, comes new life. For you are the mother of all things. Your body is the sacred earth and our bodies. Your love nurtures and unites us all, now and forevermore. Amen. I really appreciate your listening. Please be sure to subscribe or follow for upcoming podcasts. We'll continue this journey together.